This is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Elijah Cage. We want to remind you that this program broadcasts from the rightful lands of the Tiwa people. Tonight, we feature the National Latino Behavioral Health Association as they share a plática or community discussion about Latino peer recovery. The mission and goal of the National Latino Behavioral Health Association is to influence national behavioral health policy, eliminate disparities in funding and access to services, and improve the quality of services and treatment outcomes for Latino populations. Participants include Melissa Montano, Program Manager at the State of New Mexico's Office of Peer Recovery and Engagement, also known as OPRI, and Nathan Lawson, Training Coordinator of the Office of Peer Recovery and Engagement, OPRI. The Platica is moderated by Fred Sandoval, Executive Director for the National Latino Behavioral Health Association, and Maxine Henry, Associate Director for the National Latino Behavioral Health Association. Enjoy this conversation. Welcome. My name is Fred Sandoval. I'm the Executive Director for the National Latino Behavioral Health Association. Thank you for joining us today for our platica called Tenemos Voz, We Have a Voice on Latino Peer Recovery. With me today is our esteemed Associate Director and co-host Maxine Henry, who will introduce herself shortly. NALPA is a nonprofit agency dedicated to the well-being of Latino individuals, families, and communities in New Mexico and across the United States. Our mission is to address the disparities and barriers affecting the behavioral health of Latinos. Today, we are excited to kick off the first of a platica series called Tenemos Voz on Latino peer recovery and the journey of hope and transformation. We would like to thank the New Mexico Human Services Department and the Office of Peer Recovery and Engagement for making this series possible. Each month through June 2021, NABA will host speakers directly involved in recovery to share their story, insights, and the resources available to help make recovery possible. So let's begin with our co-host, Ms. Maxine Henry, who will also introduce today's guest. Maxine. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, audience, for joining us today. And a special thank you to uh, Melissa and Nathan. Um, as Fred mentioned, I'm Maxine Henry. I am the Associate Director for the National Latino Behavioral Health Association, otherwise known as NALBA, um, based here in Denver, Colorado, originally from South Valley in Albuquerque, though. So excited about my roots in um, Nuevo Mexico. So let me introduce, uh, uh, introduce sorry, our esteemed uh, presenters guest today. First, we have Melissa Montaño. She is a certified peer support worker trainer and is a woman in long-term recovery. She currently serves the state of New Mexico as the program manager for the Office of Peer Recovery and Engagement, which is housed in the Behavioral Health Services Division and a part of the Human Services Department. Her work focuses on leveraging the lived experience of those with a mental health or substance use disorder as a way to improve the continuum of care. Ms. Montano, Montano has built her career on lifting people up and helping them make their way into the behavioral health field with integrity and a strong emphasis on ethics. 
Our current efforts focus on connecting peer support workers to those experiencing dislocation due to COVID-19 and overall workforce development for those in recovery. Welcome, Melissa. And next we have Nathan Lawson, who is a lifelong resident of New Mexico, was born and raised in Southern New Mexico. Nathan is a person in long-term recovery, meaning that for the last seven years, he has learned new ways to cope with everyday struggles. Nathan is in recovery from lifestyle choice, substance use, and mental health issues. He continues to work every day in our communities to enhance and expand peer support as a behavioral health service to help those that may still be struggling. Nathan was raised in a Hispanic family. Culturally, he considered, considers himself Hispanic. Nathan continues to advocate for all populations that you too can recover once the pain of changing becomes easier to endure than the pain of remaining the same. Thank you, Nathan, for joining us. Thanks, Maxine, for those great introductions. I'm really excited to be on this platica today. Uh, you're gonna be so inspired. Uh, it's gonna say a lot about um, the stories that we're about to hear. More importantly, it's just exciting to be able to be doing this live on Facebook because our platicas are pretty unique. So here's how the platicas work. Uh, we'll begin this exchange. The word platica means conversation in English. So we'll start this conversation with some questions that we have. And those focus questions are about Latinos and peer recovery in general. So we have several questions to get us started. And uh, for the listening audience, you'll have a chance to ask questions of our presenters and even make some comments. So as those pop up on the screen, we'll be sure to ask those questions and, and also share some of your comments so we can actually have some interaction with those of you who are listening in today on Facebook Live. So let's get started. I'm gonna start off with the first question and I'd like to ask this question both of Melissa and, and Nathan so that each of you have a chance to answer this first question. And, uh, and then we'll turn it over to Maxine. She and I will alternate with these questions. But what I'd like to do is I'd, I'd like to learn more about each of you. Just if you could briefly just say a little bit more about yourself. And I think that'll help our listening audience know who's been invited to this party and, and more importantly, to give you a chance to share a little bit about yourself. So we'll start with Melissa. So uh, we'll turn to you and then Nathan will then ask you the same question. Go ahead, Melissa. Good afternoon, everyone, and um, thank you so much for for this honor. It's it's an honor to be here today at noon and uh, for this conversation, platicas, like you say, um, and asking um, just to to say a little bit about myself. You know, um, as a woman, and and thank you for that awesome introduction, Maxine. Um, yes, I am a woman in long term recovery. And what that means for me too, is that I'm going in on my 11th year of, of sobriety. And um, thank you. And, for, and the fact that I, that I get to sit here, an employed woman of uh, 11 years, um, you know, doing the next right thing in my life and is, is an amazing thing for me. So um, just a little background on, on how I got here to the state of New Mexico. Um, I am from Northern New Mexico um, with a strong family behind me. And I think that recovery to me um, and how I got here was the fact that um, my, my family in particular, mi familia, never 
never gave up on me. And they always knew that uh, um, it was in me. Um, and, um, and with the blessings of my abuelita and my, and my family members um, out there, I, I, I am where I'm at, at today because, because of that and the prayers, you know, I, since we're, it's a platicas today and we get to talk a uh, uh, conversation, I, I, I cannot leave my, 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 uh, my faith out of this. Uh, so um, thank you for the platform of, of allowing us to do that. And um, I know that it's by God's grace and I get to say this all the time is that I am employable. Um, I am the mother that my God intended me to be today. And, um, and the daughter, I love it when my parents say, and I hope they're watching. If you're out there and you press the right button, my dad, uh, you know, um, they, they have their daughter back and they're very proud of her. And also I'm part of, two, uh, of a family knit where my, my two brothers, I, you know, I have two siblings that, uh, that, that are so proud to say they have a sister today. You know, there was a time in my life when um, I, I was not destined to make it in, in this world. Um, I, I got into recovery um, a little late in life, which was 48 years old. And um, I, um, because of that, you know, I, I, at the time I felt that it was, um, you, you know, that, that I had lost out on so much, but I was, I was sharing with Maxine the other day that I have lived more in the past 11 years than I have, I think, my whole adult life. And um, yes, so, you know, I, I really, really appreciate that. And I know that we'll, we'll get a chance to talk more about that later. But, you know, by the, by the you know, by God's grace and, and prayers and family and El Norte and community and hope and program and sponsorship, I, I'm here, you know, I, it, it went from here to here, you know, the big hole that I had in my soul is filled with so much more today. And, um, and I'm blessed to talk about that today. So muchas gracias. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, Marisa, well, bienvenidos. Yeah, absolutely. We are going to have a chance to, to, to ask a little bit more about your experiences and what's led to your recovery, because that's so important. So Nathan, just if you could say a little bit about yourself, that would be great. And uh, go ahead, sir. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Sandoval and Maxine for having us. Uh, good afternoon. My name is Nathan Lawson. Uh, and uh, from what you heard from my bio is that I, I'm from New Mexico. I've lived here my whole life and uh, I live New Mexico. I speak New Mexico and I eat New Mexico, right? Green chili. Woohoo. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, you know, a little bit about myself is uh, I'm a person in long term recovery, you know, and uh, you know, I picked up my first drug at the age of 12, uh, and I didn't get clean until the age of 26. Um, so I was in active addiction uh, for 14 years, you know, and uh, today I have seven years in recovery. Uh, and, you know, this morning I woke up with a choice, you know, I woke up with a choice uh, to use drugs or not to use drugs, right? And uh, through the recovery support that I have from my natural supports and my recovery communities, my family and my friends, uh, today I don't have to use drugs, you know, today I don't have to, to drink alcohol. Um, you know, today, uh, I have a healthy lifestyle, you know, I pay attention to what I eat, you know, I make sure I drink water, 
you know, exercise, right? All the all the good things that we that we learn when we come into recovery, you know. But I, I'll tell you, man, that last day uh, when I was 26 years old, uh, it had progressed to the point where I was using uh, quite hard drugs intravenously. You know, um, I picked up hepatitis C uh, during my drug use. Uh, today, I'm cleared of that. You know, I came into recovery and health all of a sudden was a priority, you know, it was like, oh man, I, I better get healthy now. Now I want to live right now. I have something to live for. And, uh, so I got, the, I got that cleared up. And so that's just a little small introduction about who I am. And, you know, I am a certified peer support worker. Uh, I've been a certified peer support worker for three years. Uh, I've been working in the field for five. Um, I started off my professional career at Shadow Mountain Recovery, uh, which is a treatment center in Northern New Mexico, located in Taos. Uh, and I worked there for many years and I had the opportunity uh, to share my story with so many people, you know, that came to that treatment center and, uh, you know, peer support saved my life. You know, the first time I met somebody that was in recovery, they had been off of drugs and alcohol for many years. And to me, that was something brand new, right? Because I never met anybody that didn't use drugs or alcohol, right? And uh, that's what saved my life, right? Was, was another peer, somebody that had years in recovery. And, uh, you know, came up to me and talked just like I did, uh, dressed just like I did, said the same things I said, and uh, I related, man. So, yeah, I'm the training coordinator with the Office of Peer Recovery and Engagement. I work closely with Militia. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Well, what a tandem uh, uh, that you get to work together, right? Two peas in the same pod, right? Uh, but more importantly is the messaging. And so we're going to explore a little bit about that. So I'm going to ask our co-hosts. Maxine to, to take us to the next step. So Maxine. Absolutely. Um, so both of you, you know, in your self-introductions talked about, you know, recovery from a very personal perspective, uh, which makes a lot of sense, right? Because each of you walked your own walk um, and are continuing to do that. As Nathan said, you know, I woke up even this morning, seven years later with a choice. Um, but for the listening audience, um, how would you describe recovery to the masses? What would that look like? Um, Nathan, if you'd like to go first. Definitely. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and as a matter of fact, recovery to me has uh, a lot of different meanings. Uh, so for me personally, what recovery means is that no matter what, I do not pick up, right? No matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm experiencing, uh, no matter what, I do not pick up that bag, right? And uh, that's what keeps me clean, you know? Um, you know, so recovery can can mean something, and it's very personal for everyone. You know, I've met individuals, uh, you know, like in my bio, I mentioned that I'm in recovery uh, from a lifestyle choice, you know? And for me, that was the gang life. Uh, and, you know, I've met individuals that are in recovery uh, from, you know, uh, ranging from domestic violence uh, to sex trafficking, um, you know, so recovery just, I mean, if you're, if you're doing anything in your life to make your life better, you are in recovery, right? Cause we're, we're, we're all recovering from something, you know, uh, addiction, it just reaches so many families. You know, I, I, I don't know one person, uh, that doesn't have a family member or a friend that is touched by the disease of addiction. So, uh, that's, that's my take on recovery. Thank you. And just, you know, for the record, for the rest of the hour, you're not allowed to talk about New Mexico green chili because I haven't been able to travel back to New Mexico since this pandemic and we're running low. So no more talk about 
you know, Chile, please, just joking. Um, Militia, how would you describe recovery for other people? Okay, well, first and foremost, part of my recovery is eating green chili, Maxine. <laughs> At least once a day, ask Nathan, he'll tell me, you know, we'll be talking and he'll say, what are you eating, Lish? Chili. That's, that's my life. I, I have to have chili uh, with at least one, one or two meals a day. And um, I love that. But I love the fact that he, that he touched on um, choices. Every morning, you know, I hit my knees and I say, please, thy will not mine be done today. Your words, not mine, be said. You know, sometimes you got to take that back. But recovery to me was threefold spiritual, mental, and physical. And he touched on all of them. You know, when I started getting better physically, then I had to deal with this. And, and, and then my mind was the one that was telling me to fill the hole that I had in my soul with so many bad things. And today, what that looks like for me, recovery is more, first and foremost, you know, uh, a connection with something way bigger than militia. Because um, for years, I thought I was the end all be all. Um, I have a very selfish, self-centered disease and it's alcoholism and, um, and anything that comes with that. Because believe me, the dry goods were at my reach. And I say that because, you know, whatever you had, I wanted and I'd go to any links to get it. And, um, you know, and I, and I grew up a, a very angry and spoiled um, young lady, but with the love of, of family and families are there. So first for me, recovery means um, something, you know, my, my God, my, my Virgen de Guadalupe, who helped save my life, who I listened to finally, after so many years of hurting, because the biggest thing I think for me that, 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 uh, that I regretted and was that I could not be the mother that God intended me to be. Alcohol and drugs stripped this woman of everything that is a God-given gift to the female. I'm sorry. I thought I was constitutionally incapable of getting clean and sober. And uh, little did I know that that the voice from another woman, something bigger than myself, spoke to me one day while I was working um, the steps with, with, with another lady and um, my sponsor at the time. And um, we were working the steps at, 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 at a place here in um, Santa Fe, where she was. And for years, she had been standing there. She's the Virgen de Guadalupe and it's on Guadalupe Street but I didn't know they had brought this big, beautiful um, figure there. And um, I, I guess I'd been passing through there for years. It was because I, I was never present. And so when I got to see this beautiful, beautiful statue there and I, and, I, and I did some work and I got to sit with her, there was hours of the day that I lost that when I came home, I said, I had a call. I, I had to call my mom. I had to call my the, the female figures in my life and um no one answered but my madrina in denver answered and they were all busy right and and i get it but i said tia you gotta understand you gotta 
you know, listen to what happened to me today and experience happened. I'm done. I'm so done because I heard from La Virgencita that everything was going to be okay. And that she was the mother of all mothers. And that all the sorrows and all the hurt that I had caused and that had been caused to me and all the guilt and shame was going to go away because she was going to take over my life. And I knew then that I was done with drugs and alcohol and everything that came with that. And that my chance to be a mom and a daughter and a sister and a tia and a granddaughter and everything beautiful about the being a strong woman in recovery and motherhood was going to come to fruition for me. Um, and, um, and, and, and if any moms are out there struggling, thinking that their life is over because they couldn't do that at the time or be, be, be the, that figure, it's, it's, it's not true because we can and recovery is possible. And, um, and, and you can mend relationships. And, um, and that happened for me. And she was a big, a big, she still is a big, powerful empress. I love the way Mr. Sandoval um, explained her to me in my life. And it was instilled by so many women. And because of that, I get to vote. And I get to do so many other things on so many levels. And I have role models that are females. And my, my uh, two grandmothers, you know, one of my grandmothers did not see me, um, you know, I was very young when she passed away. But my abuelita on my mother's side, she's with me every day. She was with me at the beginning of this meeting. And she got to see a few of her family members clean and sober. And she gave us her blessing. And um, just life beyond my wildest dreams is, is how I get to live my life today. And to show up for peers in New Mexico, I would have never thought in a million years that I could be an example to anyone. So my recovery is so big and it's happening right now or right here in this hour. That's great. Alicia, just how moving and uh you almost started to already ask answer the next question right and and I thought oh my god she's amazing she already knows what we're going to ask you know but uh I want you to know who's listening there are uh there's just a large number of people who are calling in and they're commenting and I just have to share we have to do a little shout out for some folks that are on here today we want to say hi to Valerie our comadre Valerie who's says she's so happy to be here and and thanks for this uh, experience. Uh, we have Jeanette who uh, commented and she's saying, yay, she's so happy for Nathan and Militia for, for sharing their stories. Uh, we have a couple of folks. We have Kika and Jorge from California, and they're just so happy to be here listening to your story. Uh, we have Fabricia who says, she's so powerful. Thank you for your sharing. Uh, Jeanette says, and you are a role model was female. So Militia, kudos to you. And uh, we have Wendy who says, Felicidades, saludos desde el norte de, de California. So we have folks who are calling in from different places and we'll have a chance to ask you some questions here um, as they come in. But I'd like to just uh, very quickly, if, if I can, um, there was 
experiences like you've just described, Melissa, that really kind of started to uh, support your decision about um, being sober and really making a change. And you described family and spirituality. Were there any other factors, Melissa, that really started to play a, a role in your life um, that really came to bear on why you made a choice, a decision to take a different direction? Because you've already by that time had, I think you said more than two decades of you know, substance use and, and other you know, traumatic experiences, but you started to experience a change and what were those things that were having a positive influence on your making this decision to stop drinking? Well, I believe, Fred, thank you for asking that, um, is that I saw my, my, my friends and, and um, people in my circle all leaving, leaving this earth, you know, and um, it had an, a big impact on me, you know, um, and then I saw my, my, my family excelling and, you, you know, um, the enabling part, I, I saw what I was doing to, to my family um, and I wanted to enjoy my parents and, and, and be alive to make living amends to them. You know, when I say, when I say that my parents got me back, they literally got me back. I was gone. And, and then I got to work on the anger and the temper and the ucky part of, of my, of my uh, personality. Um, I get to be the friend also to friends and they like having me as a friend. Um, Nathan mm -hmm. talked about it earlier. He said, you know, nobody, there was a point in my life and nobody wanted me around, you know, and, 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 you know, dealing with, with uh, addiction and, and what comes with that is very, very heart-wrenching and traumatic on family members. And, and where we come from, where I come from in northern New Mexico, you know, um, my parents, they didn't know they were enabling me, but they were literally helping in ending my life, but they didn't know that. Porque I was the hita for so many years. Pero I was a 48-year-old hita until my mom, she's the strong one, no? There was a gentleman that told my mom in the program, you need to lock those doors and change and change those locks, Mrs. Montano. Um, and she said, but I can't, it's her own house. And he said, I don't care. Lock them and change them. Let her go somewhere else. You do not have to be picking up after this girl. You know, um, responsibility and accountability feels so good. I mean, my self-esteem, you know, it, it, it hit, I, I mean, who doesn't want to be able to fend and, and, and be and make their own living and have their own things. Um, I, I, I don't know how I took, but I kept taking and taking. And now I get to give back in so many ways, like so many ways, community wise, Anytime that there's somebody reaches out to us at OPRI or, or me personally saying I'm struggling or my family member struggling, can you help? I may not be able to fix the place, fix where they're at, but we can, we do have resources. And it's so weird because me and Nathan, our paths cross at the same treatment center because I was 
I was a community liaison, not before I, I took the job at the state I, um, three years ago with Shadow Mountain and Nathan was in there doing the work. It was also a treatment center that said to me, do you know what peer support is? And I said, no, I don't. She said, I need you to look into that because you're probably gonna be very valuable down the road. And um, I, I got certified in 2016 and took my class with two amazing people. Joel Jones, if you're out there listening, another uh, female role model in my life. Um, you know, um, she gave the class and, and it's 2021. And I thought point A to point B, it just takes too long, but it, it, it happens, it happens. Well, just thank you for sharing that. And um, you're right. You are listening to Generation Justice, broadcasting on 89.9 KUNM FM, where tonight we share a discussion about Latino peer recovery from the National Latino Behavioral Health Association. Participants include Melissa Montano, program manager at the State of New Mexico's Office of Peer Recovery and Engagement, and Nathan Lawson, training coordinator of the Office of Peer Recovery and Engagement. The Platica is moderated by Fred Sandoval, executive director for the National Latino Behavioral Health Association, and Maxine Henry, associate director for the National Latino Behavioral Health Association. And when we think about our kids, right, um, we refer to them as uh, our children, mis hitos, right? And uh, it tells you how strong that bond is and how much care, support our parents have for us and how much love and admiration we have for our parents. So in all of that kind of protective environment, that strong bond, part of what happens is when alcohol seeps its way into our lives, it tends to erode and you know it has a negative effect on all of those positive things that make us who we are. But you were so right in, in, in really experiencing something about how even our own family members will change the things that they'll do that may actually help recreate or make us rethink about our relationships. And Nathan, you know, you were saying a little bit about this the other day and talk about how powerful a description, just like Melissa, about what happened when the family members made a change. And Nathan, say a little bit about that. And then we're going to go to Maxine to to ask about Opry a little bit, because um, we want to tell folks a little bit about Opry, but uh, Nathan, uh, share with us a little bit more about the things that really came into play to change a lot of what you were experiencing. Definitely, thank you, Mr. Sandoval. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I want to talk about uh, the, the last day that I used, right? Um, and this was January 23rd of 2014. Uh, this was the loneliest day of my life, yet this was the day that I was reborn. Um, and to kind of paint that picture for you guys, uh, you know, I was, I was on the run from the law, you know, when, when they talk about in the Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous rooms running and gunning, I was literally running and gunning. Um, you know, I, I was at a point in my life where, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, I was on a suicide mission with the cops, you know, to just to uh, be transparent, you know, um, 
I had no healthy relationships. My family, my friends, uh, they didn't want anything to do with me. Uh, even my drug using buddies uh, were to the point where they didn't want me around. Right. And uh, so, you know, it was lonely, man. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, I, I can really relate, Militia. You know, I, I grew up, uh, so half of my family's Hispanic, the other half is uh, white. Um, and, you know, I grew up with my mom and my grandma, right? Uh, you know, Nathan's Arjito, right? Mijito. I can really relate with that. And I heard that all my life growing up. But the thing about it is, was, uh, you know, my mom loved me so much that I could never do no wrong, right? No matter what, even when my hands were red, I had red paint all over my, my face, right? The proof was in the pudding that Nathan did it. Nathan didn't do it. Nathan did nothing wrong, right? And I got so used to that, right? And it was just like, you know, every time I caught a charge, anytime I got into trouble, there was my mom to help me out, you know? And for that, uh, to this day, I'm very grateful. You know, my mom was doing what she knew to do as a mom, which was to love me unconditionally, right? And there was nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, back to the loneliest day of my life, uh, you know, I, I was at the point where I needed to shower. I hadn't showered in a few days um, and I couldn't go to motels because the police were watching the motels. Uh, you know, like I said, I couldn't go to my drug using buddies because they didn't want me around because the cops were following me. Um, basically, I went to my mom's house and I knocked on her door uh, and I let her know, mom, I just need to shower. You know, I'll shower and I'll take off. You know, I won't stay. I just need to shower and go. And uh, this was the day that she changed, right, for the better and it saved my life. She came back to the door. Uh, actually, she closed the door. I heard the door lock, which was something new. I've never, I never experienced that. So I was kind of like, wow, what's going on here? And uh, she came to the door, you know, with a, with a towel, uh, a rag, and some Irish spring. And it wasn't even brand new Irish spring. It was used Irish spring, right? And she said, son, there is a spigot right there. You can shower. And then when you're done, you have to leave, right? And... Uh, you know, all my life, the only way I've ever learned how to deal with things is through resentment, right? So as an alcoholic and a drug addict, my first instinct was to build a resentment against the woman that birthed me, right? Against this woman that just protected me my whole life and said, he's not doing nothing wrong. You know, I love him. He's my hito and showed me unconditional love, right? And, uh, you know, oh, I'm the, I'm the firstborn son. How could she do this to me? You know, I didn't even shower. I was, you know, I built that resentment and I didn't need a shower all of a sudden, right? That poison was more important to me. That poison, that resentment and swallowing that pill of resentment was more important to me than showering that day. You know, uh, but the little thing, right, that I didn't know that I found out years later was that behind that door was a woman that fell to her knees and cried. You know, when she locked that door and told me, you have to shower outside and you have to leave, that broke her heart. You know, many years later, I had lunch with my mom and I thanked her for that, you know, because that was what saved my life. You know, that was the day that, uh, you know, my mom built up enough courage to save my life. Um, and for that, I'm forever grateful. Uh, mom, if you're watching, thank you. Um, so I, I just really wanted to share that story, you know, because this is a real common story in New Mexico. You know, uh, with Hispanic and Latino families, it's, it's very, uh, very common. So I wanted to share that with you guys. Thank you. Wow, just uh, powerful. I, um, I can picture that moment in your life and the fact you remember the date and the year, the situation. 
just tells us how profound um, that interaction was between your mom and her hito, right? And gosh, moms just, they love their kids to death, right? But we, we misinterpret death in that instance because um, they don't really want us to leave. It's, we know that the most challenging, stressful experience for parents is when their kids leave home. But in this case, the question is, they really don't want you to leave permanently, right? Uh, I have to share something really quickly here. Um, Kate wants you to know something. She says, you can see and hear the intense, passionate story Nathan and Malisha have gone through to recover. We thank you so much for sharing your stories to help inspire others that you can change and make better choices. You both are extraordinary with all you have been through. Remarkable in sharing this to motivate those in the same setting. And this is from Iowa. So just remember that as you say these things today on, on Facebook Live, we're also recording this event. So we're gonna get to replay this many, many more times so many more people can hear this message. And my esteemed colleague, my co-host, Maxine Henry is just chomping at the, at the bit to ask you this next question. So Maxine. Yeah, thank you for sharing these beautiful stories. Um, if we, if I can make it through without the tears, then, you know, we've had a really good platica. Um, but, you know, in both of your stories, I loved hearing that it, it wasn't only redemption for the two of you, but it was redemption for the people around you who love you. Um, and so I think recovery really, you know, it reverberates in such a positive way throughout the entire unit. And so thank you for being brave enough and selfless enough to share these stories. Um, so Fred mentioned earlier that, um, you know, we wanted to hear a little bit more about the Office of Peer Recovery and Engagement. And in New Mexico, we say Opri, 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 Opre, you know, whatever you call it, it's fine. But I think I tend to say Opri. So for the sake of today's event, we'll call it Opri. Um, but can you share with our listening audience what the mission of Opri is? Uh, Melissa, would you like to take that first? Yeah, I'll, I'll touch base on the mission of OPRI for a minute, but um, Nathan's the expert as the training coordinator and, uh, and him and I are a team. And I knew, I knew from the beginning that, you know, especially if you give peers uh, a task or if you hire a peer and really, really quick, can I tell you how it started out for me at, at, at OPRI? OPRI? I, um, on my, on my day, on my time off, when I do get time off, I know that the, all of New Mexico knows because I make it live. I ride a motorcycle. Okay. I've, I've ridden a uh, bike since I was like 14, 15 years old, but I was never responsible enough to experience the ride. If, if, if that's anything until 10 years ago, I thought, you know, once I get clean and sober, cause I've owned bikes before. Not a very, talk about my parents not sleeping nights and days and family members and friends, you know, um, you know, jails and institutions was my story. And, and, and I just, I never, I never got picked up on a, on a Harley, but you know, I, I don't know how that didn't happen. But anyway, today, starting 10 years ago, um, I continue to ride and I love to ride, but how I got the message that I was going to be working for Opry was I was at a place in Glacier National Park called Heaven's Peak. I applied 
And of course, being a woman in recovery, when you, when you apply for different jobs in your life, you're intimidated. And so when, when I got a phone call <laughs> in Glazer National Park 18 months ago, it was Mika, Mika Atari saying, you know, there's a message and, and there was no service up there at Heaven's Peak, the highest peak over there at Glacier, the right to the sun on the Harleys. I, I got, I said, hey, Larry, Trina, I have a message. It's the state. And I got chills and it's Mika saying, hey, get off that mountain. You want this job? You got a second interview. <laughs> that's how, that's how amazing she was. And so uh, I, I came back home and I did my second interview. And, and I get to sit here and, and, and I get to talk about the mission of OPRI. And, um, and an, um, that's an amazing question because it's, it's like the sky's limit is the limit for OPRI right now. You know, we, we um, I think our mission, it's ever changing because we want workforce to be included in that for all peers that are, that are um, credentialed and, and, and signing up for this amazing opportunity to be and serve their, their communities for um, all parts of New Mexico, all, all walks of life, all nationalities, we advocate. We, we want people to apply. The process opens up again now in March. We don't have a wait list. When we came on 18 months ago, we had a two-year wait list. Um, I think the mission is to be good examples. I want OPRI to be an amazing example to peers out there that recovery is possible. And we, we went from having to do trainings in, if anything happened during this crazy COVID, was that we went virtual with our trainings and our trainers, our trainers played a huge role in making that transition from in-person to helping Nathan uh, put the curriculum together and get it on a, on a place so that we can teach the, you know, the learners. There's just so much. But the main thing I think that OPRI, that I wanna say that OPRI is involved in now is making more, more available um, to, to our public and to our providers um, the chance for your workers or your peer support workers in your agencies get trained, good training, good, amazing curriculum. We have a curriculum, Nathan can talk about it, a curriculum a module that just went into our training manual. Um, and be good examples for the state of New Mexico and people of ethically, you know, especially ethically, you know, and, and getting the foundation so that our peers can pass their tests and go out there and do good things and get good salaries and get, you know, uh, help raise their families and stay at a job, stay at a position. Just a lot, Maxine. I'm very excited when you when you ask questions about Opry. <laughs> we can that is is beautiful, and we have the audience, you know, Leticia saying inspirational and motivating. Um, you know, so at every corner, I think the audience can really just feel how palatable your passion for this work is, um, and how because it's so personal you know, you're willing to share with others. Same for you, Nathan. So same question, Nathan, from your perspective, what would you say the mission of OPRI is? 
definitely. Thank you, Maxine. Uh, so yeah, you know, I, I, I just want to real quick, I want to tie up, you know, the, the story that I shared, man, because, you know, when I, when I have the, the opportunity to share that story with people, um, you know, it gets a little emotional and I always forget to tie it up. Right. Um, I'm glad to say that today I have a very healthy relationship with my mother. I talk with her every single day. Um, I have healthy relationships with both my brother, my sister, my father, uh, my aunts, my uncles, uh, my cousins. Um, and that's all been uh, due to the fact that, uh, like Militia had said, that I had the opportunity to make living amends every day. You know, today I get to wake up and make a choice that, you know, today I'm going to make living amends to my community and to my to my family by not picking up. Right. So that's just amazing. I wanted to share that. Um, so, yeah, the mission statement of OPRI. So I, I'll, I'd like to share how I how I got uh, into the office of OPRI. Right. Um, and it's a really funny story. So, yes, me and Militia had worked together in the past. I was uh, scrolling through Facebook one day and I, and I saw this post that said, hey, we need a training coordinator for OPRI. And I was like, wow, man, that'd be, that'd be an awesome opportunity. You know, uh, I want to really uh, expand, you know, professionally, uh, you know, begin to network with much more people. Cause I don't know, you know, Taos, New Mexico, man. I mean, when you're up there, you're up there. Nobody sees you. You know what I mean? Like nobody in the state of New Mexico even knew there was a Nathan Lawson until I came and worked with Oprah. So that's really awesome. Right. I got off the mountain and, and uh, came back down the mountain. Huh. Um, so, yeah, you know, uh, peer support is very close to my heart. You know, uh, like I shared in my introduction, uh, peer support saved my life, man. You know what I mean? Uh, when I first came into recovery, I didn't trust therapists. I didn't trust uh, counselors. I didn't trust the system. I didn't trust the state of New Mexico. I didn't trust uh, myself, right? Um, so, you know, when I, first, when I met somebody that was a peer, right, that's, that had... I think this individual probably had about five years clean. Uh, and I remember the first thing he said to me was, what's up, fool? You know, like, just like, uh, like one of my friends from the calles or, or whatever it may be. He was just like, what's up, fool? And I was like, wait, you're a guy at five years in recovery? Hold on. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on here, you know? And, uh, you know, I got to know the individual, man. And, you know, I, I uh, the first thing I noticed about them was that the person was standing up and they were speaking. And uh, the first thing I noticed was they had a smile. They had a smile on their face that I had never had, right? And uh, I got to know this individual. And uh, a lot of the questions that I asked him were, how, wh how do you smile the way you do, right? And uh, he walked me through, man. He took me under his wing. He gave me peer support, right? This person wasn't a certified peer support worker, uh, but he was a peer support worker, let me tell you. Um, so really that's just the mission of Opry, right? Is to, uh, spread the word. You know, I know for me, my CPSW certification really helps my recovery. It complements my recovery in the way that, um, I'm able to not only incorporate recovery in my free time and with the people that I hang out with, but I'm also allowed to be engulfed in or engaged in recovery during my workday, right? And I have a piece of paper, man. And it is such more, it is, it is much more than a piece of paper. It says Nathan Lawson on it. And it says New Mexico certified peer support worker, you know? And uh, 
for this for this drug addict and you know ex-convict ex-gangbanger uh you know all those titles i had uh before i came into recovery that is truly a miracle man because just to kind of piggyback off what fred had said earlier you know that people didn't want me around you know before i came into recovery you know people didn't want to hear from me people didn't you know and 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 i wasn't a victim you know what i'm saying i'm gonna get that straight is you know i'm, I'm no victim um, but today people want to hear from me, you know, and people want to hear about uh, peer support, man. So if you or anybody you know out there, uh, you know, has two years in recovery or they're coming up on, you know, close to two years in recovery and they like to help people, you know, help people get out of the same hole that they were once in, uh, reach out to Militia and myself, you know, let's get them into training. And if you're from another state, you know, peer support is nationwide you know, uh, reach out to us and, and we'll do our best to, uh, you know, connect you with your state's uh, peer support program, because, uh, you know, this is, you know, I, I really like to look at peer support as the bridge between the clinical team and the, and the client, right? Because, you know, like I said, I didn't trust counselors. I didn't trust therapists. Today I do, right? Today I do. And that was because a peer support connected me, right? Gave me that bridge, right? Shared their experience with me like, hey, man, I, you know, I've taken some therapy and this is how it helped me, you know, or maybe, hey, I've taken some therapy and this is how it didn't help me, you know, whatever it may be, you know, so uh, peer support is really close to my heart. I love OPRI. I love every New Mexico CPSW out there. Uh, our training is rocking. You know, our trainers are, are spectacular. I mean, every time I talk to them, I just praise them. So they're probably like, Every time I, I show up, they're like, oh, God, here goes Nathan. He's going to praise us for 10 minutes, right? But, I mean, we could not have done this training without them, man. And, you know, Kathy Valdez, uh, she's also a CPSW. She's amazing. She worked with uh, the credentialing board um, to, uh, you know, further uh, assist with integrating our digital platform and all that good stuff. So, yeah, man, peer support's the way to go in the new medicine, and we're not going nowhere. Oh my gosh, you know, um, you know, I usually don't like to look at the clock and I know why now it's because there's some things I don't want to have end, verdad? So uh, we'll just have to think about, you know, the sequel, you know, uh, so Militia and Nathan, you guys got to uh, keep your ears and open. Who knows what will come out of this, this session today. But as you know, as uh, Maxime referred to, we'll be doing these platicas between now and June. And we've got some great uh, folks that have been invited to it. And so we're looking forward to the next series of, of Platicas. And we want folks to listen in on Facebook Live because um, we'll post uh, all of these events there. So Nathan, thank you for saying that story. And before we ask you to make your final comments, uh, I want to say thank you to your leadership um, at OPRI to be able to really bring the voice um, of the consumers, the, the individuals in recovery to the forefront. As I've always told folks, uh, I lost my oldest brother to alcoholism. It's a death that I will never forget. And part of that is because he was like my second father. He was so influential that it inspired me to do the work that I've been doing for years, just as well as my older sister, my older sister, Esther, who suffers from chronic paranoid schizophrenia. So your stories and our stories and the stories all around us need to be continued to be told. Um, each of us has this power, and that's the power that's expressed in this proverb. Uno es el arquitecto de su propio destino. 
one is the architect of their own destiny. And you've just painted that that drawing for all of us. And we look forward to our continued partnership with you at the state of New Mexico. Uh, but more importantly, just know that um, in making your final comments, just know that um, this is not the end of this platica. Uh, la platica, the conversations continue to happen, right? So we're going to end with you, Melissa and Nathan, making your final um, comments. And then we're going to unfortunately have to say, see you next time. But uh, Melissa, Nathan, go ahead. Oh my gosh, I'm going, I'm going away from this hour with full. My cup is full. Today, you know, coming into this, what you know how we get a little bit nervous. I'm I'm just I'm just beyond myself and to be able to sit at a at a platform where we can platicar como la gente and um and and end the hour on a very good note about peer support in New Mexico because we love it, we need it, it's strong, and um, we're not going anywhere. Awesome. Nathan, bring us home, hombre. Thank you, Fred. Wow, yeah, what, what an amazing uh, last hour it's been, you know, uh, before we hopped on here, I was feeling very anxious, you know, and when I first started speaking, I can feel my heart rate up and, you know, but uh, Fred and Maxine, you've made, a, made this a very safe space for me to share to share my story uh so i appreciate that thank you um closing closing remarks uh from me would be you know recovery is possible right there there is a way out right um i mean i've i've met individuals who uh you know had stories that topped mine i've met individuals who didn't have to go so far down to that rock bottom right to make some changes in their life uh, but the one thing that we all have in common, right, is that we've all gotten to that point, right, where the pain of change, right, that, that pain that we experience when we go through change uh, is easier to endure than the, than the pain of staying the same, right, or staying in the same environment or stay, staying in the, you know, the same household, whatever it may be for you, you know, right. So, uh, yeah, that's my closing remark. Recovery is possible. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, it, it is absolutely uh, possible. Uh, and you're a test. You're both a testament to that. Um, so uh, we'll see you again. Gracias por la plática hoy. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Adios. Bye-bye. Thank you to Melissa Montano, Program Manager at the Office of Peer Recovery and Engagement, and Nathan Lawson, Training Coordinator of the Office of Peer Recovery and Engagement for sharing your stories with our community. A special thank you to Fred Sandoval, Executive Director for the National Latino Behavioral Health Association, and Maxine Henry, Associate Director for the National Latino Behavioral Health Association for moderating this discussion. For more amazing platicas like this one, visit the National Latino Behavioral Health Association's Facebook page. Before we close our program tonight, we have a community announcement for you. Sembrando Salud is a program of the Center of Southwest Culture, or CSC, 
to address the food insecurities and underserved indigenous, Mexicano, Chicano, and POC families through educational workshops providing materials and ongoing technical assistance. Sembrando Salud will help New Mexican families grow their own organic produce from home. 2021 workshops will begin online in April and will conclude the growing season with cooking instruction from a local chef. Workshops are in English and Spanish. For more information, you can email the Center of Southwest Culture at info at centerofsouthwestculture.org or call 505-247-2729. That was 505-247-2729. We hope you've enjoyed this hour of community action. We'd like to thank the Platica participants, Militia Montano and Nathan Lawson from the Office of Peer Recovery and Engagement, Opry, and the great facilitators, Fred Sandoval, Executive Director for the National Latino Behavioral Health Association, and Maxine Henry, Associate Director for the National Latino Behavioral Health Association. For more amazing platicas, visit the National Latino Behavioral Health Association's Facebook page. Tonight's Hour of Radio was produced by Roberta Rael with production assistance from Barbara Ramirez. We want to give a big shout out to all of our youth producers. We cannot do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org, where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We're also on social media. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and follow our playlist on Spotify. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, with additional funding from the Con Alma Health Foundation, the Annie E. Casey Foundation, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by P.O.D. I am Elijah Cage. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word. So stay tuned and join us next Sunday at seven o'clock. Good night, New Mexico.